Hey, it's Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your host of the I Heart My Life show. This is episode 103, how to combine gorgeous design and high converting sales with Kathy Olson. Kathy is the founder of Funnel Gorgeous, an incredible company that not only provides all of its customers with templates, but also has incredible courses that help you learn how to design, how to build funnels, and how to launch your programs, products, and courses. And she's one of my favorite guests because her story is so inspiring and it's such a great reminder that there are gaps in the market everywhere. And all you need to do is listen and pay attention to what your customers truly want. And that will help guide you and your business in the direction that's going to be the most profitable, but also the most fun and rewarding. Kathy's the first to admit that it was never about the money for her. But now that she has a seven-figure business, she's noticing more and more opportunity, more and more ways in which she and her, her business partner can grow this brand And there's a lot of challenges and things that they're coming up against. But more than ever before, she's reminded that when you follow your heart, the money follows. I think you're really going to love this episode, especially those of you who are creatives and those of you who want to learn more about funnels and what converts. So let's dive in. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show, Kathy. I'm so excited to have you here. It's an honor to be here. We're talking with you. And I always love the episodes where I get to learn more about the guest in terms of their story, because I know what you do now, but I know very little about your history and how you even started this business and came to do this work in the world. So I always love those episodes because I get to learn just like everyone listening. Yeah, you kind of came in at the the, the middle to the end of <laughs> my <laughs> journey, but it's been a long one. Then. It's been a, yeah. <laughs> It's been a long journey. I think uh, I I always like talk about kind of how I was brought up, and I and I think it's it's interesting. I think a lot, of, a lot more about it now that I have my kids of my own. I was I was I was that kid that that my parents always really fostered the creativity side, you know, creative side. I wasn't, you know, I didn't come from like a really academic family. I think uh, I had like architects. Actually, I I, I want to say. I had an artistic family, but not like in the traditional sense. They were like artists who were making money. So I think I had to, I had a leg up on that. Um, you know, architects, graphic designers, like like um, fashion designers, like people that were actually making money from their art. So I think I really had a good upbringing in that. Um, but I just because I had all these people to look forward to like look towards and think, Oh, that that's cool. They're doing that. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just did all the things I was like, you know, into photography. I was like printing when I was a kid, you know, like old school stuff, um, which I think has all gone into who I am today, which I has also shifted a million times. Um, I'm classically trained as a graphic designer, which is cool for graphic design. I taught myself web design and coding, like when it was first came out, <laughs> I guess kind of, um, wow. And then I really started, I didn't, I I fell into entrepreneurship. I never wanted to work for someone else. But I think that there's those times when you're like, you're just called for more. And you're like, oh, well, this isn't what I pictured. But uh, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And even though it's scary, you just kind of step into it. So that's kind of what happened. And when I... um, I worked for a design studio uh, in downtown San Diego. We worked with huge clients, Disney and Best Buy, um, AT&T, Apple, like all the huge 
huge people. And I started doing, it was like right around the time I was going to get, I was getting married and I was meeting all these people who were getting married. And I started just doing like little wedding invitations on the side just to kind of make some money for the, for the wedding. Um, and I just kind of, that's kind of how my business started, even though I never planned on ever. I think I thought I was going to be some advertising something. I don't know. Um, so, but there, but it's pivoted several times since I just, I, I have, um, a knack for seeing things that are happening in the marketplace. And I, and people ask me about stuff and I'm just very open. So I think through, through, I started my business in 2008. So a long time ago. And, um, I've just, since then I've just, I've just listened and I've been really open to what things are happening and what, how I can help people. And it's guided my business that's changed ever, like since then. Um, but, but like being open to new things and trying new things and being open to like different versions of myself, um, helps me, has helped me shift into markets that didn't exist and then creating new markets. And I didn't even have kids. I didn't have kids then. I started my business before kids. So kids had to work their way into my life because I already have my business going, you know? So, yeah. Um, well, let me ask you a few questions about that before yeah. we get to where you're at, where you're at today. So sure. when you were back, you know, during the time where you were building the, the stationary side of things, I'm curious to know that was just an instinct that you had or just a desire and you decided to move forward. You decided to put it out there. And so did you even give it a second thought or was just like, Oh, I know I can do this. So let me just put it out there. I, the, I knew I could do the design side of it. I really could design anything. The business side is where I thought I did. I couldn't, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know anything about emails. I didn't know about getting business. I didn't know about like, how do you even make, how do you create a business? How do you pay taxes? Like I just never, business didn't cross my mind. And so all that stuff, I just immediately, and I also told myself a story that I'm an artist and I don't know how to run a business. Like that was a story that I held for a really long time, which did not serve me at all. And so I kept calling myself a bad business owner. And I, and I really like just because I was telling myself that story, I like kind of just enveloped that role of like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know numbers. I don't know math because I'm this artsy person. And <laughs> it, I wasted a lot of time doubting myself. So I think that was the part where I really had to learn the, the arts, the artsy stuff like came to me pretty naturally, but I had to learn how to, how to sell and how to become a business owner. And I had to actually talk myself, I had to like totally change my mind and tell myself a new story in order to become the real person that I was, which was both. I'm both an amazing business owner and an artist. Like I can be both. And how did you initially find clients? Um, it was really just like kind of word of mouth, you know, like how people usually get kind of get started. I think, um, I, I didn't, I didn't put a lot of pressure on it, which I think helped a lot. You know, I was, I had another job. I had a really cushy full-time job, um, you know, being a designer. So I didn't need the, the money. So it was kind of, and I definitely did underpaid myself. Ridic I mean, I thought, oh, this is fun. So I shouldn't be paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> Just like That's so crazy that point. I even thought that, but it was like, oh, this is so fun that I can't, I can't make money on this. Um, and so I just, I kind of did a very loosey goosey. It was just, but I did such a good job at what I was doing that people were, this person would tell another person and another person and another person. And so it grew really organically. Um, but again, I didn't know the business side, so I wasn't charging enough. There was, I made a lot of mistakes because I just thought, oh, I'm just doing this for fun, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was it, definitely word of mouth. But when I finally started wisening up and learning the business side is when things started getting harder and easier kind of at the same time, because that's when it really, um, 
it, you got to step up, right? You got to step up and be like, okay, well, what am I doing? Cause I can't keep doing both. I can't have this full-time job and this little side hustle. Like I would meet people in our house at night, like my poor, you know, uh, fiance at the time, he would have to like hide <laughs> my clients to like come and meet with me because it was paper products. So they actually had to see everything. Um, and it, it got to a point where I had to make a decision, but my business was lighting me up from the inside out. I mean, it was so fun. I love doing it, you know, brides and grooms. They were like the, the sweetest people are all in love and it's so romantic. And I also got to, to, to dive into my girly, like designer nature, which I didn't get to do in my real job. You know, like I, it was like regular designs, very corporate and masculine or, and, or just neutral, um, where I was diving into this really like feminine, fun, um, romantic emotion, emotion charged design. And it's totally changed the way that I do things now. And that's like what I'm known for now, which is funny because I didn't, I didn't start off that way. I love that. And, and how long did it take for you to transition from doing the side hustle in the evening in your house to doing the stationary business full time? It was, I think, about a year that that I felt like I saved up enough money. Um, I thought my boss didn't know, but I found out when I ended up quitting that he totally knew. He's like, I know you've had this business. Like, you thought you were all slick and you were doing this, but I totally knew about it. I think he saw a blog post or something that I was doing. Um, and I and I started getting uh, featured in other places like Style Me Pretty and some other some other like big wedding blogs at the time that kind of started boosting me and also networking. We had a huge wedding um, industry in San Diego. So I was going and, and networking and stuff like that. So it was giving me slowly the confidence, not only like the money, you know, to kind of switch, but also the confidence, like you're a really good business owner. You actually can do this. And so, yeah, I think it took me about a year, but I, but when I quit my job, it was like the recession hit. So everyone thought I was crazy. Like, what are you doing quitting a job when, when this is happening? But I, at that point I had no choice. It was like, I had to give up my dream or, you know, or, or go, go after it. Right. So mm. it was kind of no, a no brainer, even though it was scary, it was no brainer. Cause I knew what I was supposed to do. And how did that morph into the work that you do now? So can you take us through the different yeah. kind of iterations of your business? Yeah, I'll try to give you the short version because it's been all over the place a little bit, but not in a bad way. Like I said, I'm really open to stuff and like, hey, I, maybe I could do that. Like, may, oh, people need that. Maybe I could do that. Right. Like, so I, I dabble a little bit, but then I, I make a decision pretty quickly and I pivot pretty quickly. So I went from uh, invitation design and then uh, to meeting a lot of wedding professionals because, like I said, I would be networking. And so there'd be like a wedding, you know, like a, like a designer or something, or there'd be a photographer or a florist. And I I would meet them and I would tell them what they, I did. And they're like, wait a minute, this is really cool. Cause you know, you're a classically trained designer and web designer. Um, and you do invitations, but you like, you also still know branding and web design and you know, our market. So I was like, I'm, I, I got in this weird niche of like, I understand your client and I could do your branding and your website for you because I get the wedding industry because I'm, I'm the right I'm right there beside you. So it opened up this whole kind of version of a business, which which ended up becoming Love Inspired, um, which was me designing for other wedding professionals. And so it got to the point where that was making a lot more money. I basically had two businesses at that point. Um, it was making a lot more money on that side. It was a lot more fun. And I was just kind of getting over the the physicality of invitations and just all the things that could go wrong with the ink didn't print right or <laughs> there's all these things. Yeah. Um, so the design the, and the branding and design side was really my was really what I was, you know, 
trained in, right? Um, so I so I ended up closing the invitation business full full time. Love Inspired did Love Inspired for gosh like forever basically um, for the rest of the time, but just kept getting better and better and better. I went from probably charging I don't know maybe like five hundred thousand dollars to a website to you know twenty five you know thirty thousand dollars for a website and branding. So I, I I quickly kind of not quickly but over time you know built up built up built up. Um, I had strategic partnerships along the way you know like would work with an influencer and they would talk about me like those those were the big moments and big shifts that I had um and then I started was it always wedding people in the wedding industry or did you start to branch out yes for the most part it was at first there was plenty of people and I was one of the only people who was doing like that feminine design style so it was like it was really hard to find anybody else like me. So I was always booked, um, which like I said, that's why I'm always paying attention to, to like these gaps in the market to see, oh, okay, like nobody's doing that. I'm really good at that. I'm going to fill that spot and then nobody else can. Um, so I really didn't have any trouble whatsoever finding clients. But then people w- in cr- other creative industries would ask me, um, you know, like they had a blog, like like a, like a cooking blog or something like that. And they're like, I know I'm not a wedding person, but could I, I, you have such a cool style, blah, blah, blah. So we, I, I did kind of dabble it a little bit. Um, towards, towards the end of that, I definitely did more of it. Um, but that's when like the whole course world started to come into to view. And I, people, more and more people were asking me, how did you do this? How did you do that? How did you design this? And I, and I found myself like, you know, I would go to an event and people would start gathering around and listening to me talk, you know, and I thought, oh, I guess people want to know this stuff. <laughs> so that's where like the whole teaching, the, the teaching side kind of came about. I started listening and going, okay, people want to know about this. People want to know about that. People want to know how I, how I market my business. Um, so I started teaching that and then it, it became, it got to the point where, and then the course sales funnels came into the, came into the scene. Again, I had my ear, like I was listening. I heard people wanted to do sales, desi- sales page design and this whole idea of funnels um, and like not a website, but it's a sales page. And so I started listening to that and then I kind of got into that and that's where I'm at now with Funnel Gorgeous. Um, and it's been an amazing, like it's, it's, it, the Funnel Gorgeous brand has grown more in just like a year and a half than my whole entire business in, had in 10 years. Like it blew everything that I've done like out of the water so far. So it's it's pretty, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about the Funnel Gorgeous side of things, because I think, like you said, one of your main mastery I don't know if mastery is the right word, but I'm going to use it. Yeah. Mastery (laughs) is being able to see the gaps in the market and to really understand what it is that people need. So talk to us a little bit more about what that, what gap that fills and what that business actually is. Absolutely. So there was this whole design world that I came from that was even, even really in design school, like we're taught that design is the most important thing that first impressions, this and this and that, you know, um, if, if the design is right, then it'll sell is the, what is really literally what we're taught, which is totally crazy because it's not, it's not the only thing, but on the other side, there's this whole sales and marketing world that's been, you know, developed over the years, like alone, basically without even thinking about branding. And these are those things that you would get, you know, like infomercials or, you know, stuff you would get like stuffed in your mailbox, like, like just super like out there and like spammy and buy now flashing, you know, this whole other world of like heavy, heavy, heavy sales and marketing. Um, but not a lot of people do both. And so I did find that 
you know, the, the branding side, the, the people who were like very artistic and creative, they totally got the aesthetic, but their sales stuff, their sales would lack and they wouldn't really be able to cut through and actually tell their message to their market because it was almost, they were like too pretty. And then on the other side, the sales and marketing people were screaming their sales stuff and they were scaring off anyone who liked anything that looked half decent, right? Like they would right. see it and be so disgusted by the ugliness that they wouldn't actually even listen to the message. And so, so there, it was funny. There's just like these two worlds like floating along. And I thought, you got you guys, if we just got together, we would make each other better together. And so that <laughs> was the gap that I saw that like good branding is made better with sales and marketing and sales and marketing is made better with good branding. And I was just like, let's just bring these two together. And so that's kind of uh, where that came came about that I believe that the best of both worlds just makes you like unstoppable. Mm, I agree completely. And we, obviously, you know, we work with a lot of uh, female entrepreneurs and it's so interesting to see people coming in and to see what they're putting out there in the world. And and I don't know if it's people being delusional or what, but so many people <laughs> think that it's beautiful design and it's not, and it's like repelling their customers. And in the world where everyone can start an online business, you actually have to be able to stand out and craft a message that's going to appeal to your audience. It's, it's essential. Right. It's, it's, it's a fine balance and it's not super easy to get. And I get and even when I started doing this, this side, it was, again, I had no trouble finding clients because it's like, I don't know there people would literally come to me and be like, Kathy, I don't know who else does this. Like nobody else understands design and sales like you do. And I'm like, what the heck is wrong? And I said, well, you know, it's, it's just, like I said, the worlds are very separate and they don't talk to each other and they just kind of, you know, they, they think that each other are the best and it's like, really, we're better together. But I, I think of it just like as a, as a human, like, or you know, a guy or girl, right? Um, if someone's like really like beautiful and gorgeous, but they don't have a lot of substance, they don't have a great personality. It's like, oh, well, they just got one or they have a really great personality, but they're just kind of like maybe boring to look at. But it's like when they're the perfect 10, they're, they have a great personality and they're amazingly gorgeous. It's like, whoa, like forget about it. Like they're, <laughs> they're amazing. So, um, that's kind of, that. that's, that's kind of why I think that people misunderstand that it's one or the other and they don't understand that you can bring both together and they don't have to detract from each other. And what was the first product that you created within Funnel Gorgeous? It was the, yeah, so it was not, it's so funny because I, I don't, I don't do things, I, I am paying attention to stuff, but I don't throw everything in one back, basket right away. I always test. So Funnel Gorgeous did not start out as a business, it started out as a course. And so uh, my business partner, I, Julie, so basically I come from the design world, Julie comes from the sales and marketing world. Um, so we kind of like, got together and made this baby, which was, was mm -hmm. a gorgeous course. And it was a course teaching how to do like sales page design really simply, you know, it was just like, Hey, how do we take a message? How do we take an offer? How do we take a like, like killer sales, you know, sales techniques, sales principles, but also make them super authentic to us, our brand, you know, the look we're going for, you know, and really feminine to be honest, because there's a ton of masculine, like I told you, the regular world is, is masculine or neutral design. Um, the feminine, and there's just not a lot of stuff out there that's not like cheesy feminine, right? And I think that like men struggle to design for women because they don't think the way we do. We think in an emotional, kind of illogical way, if I'm being honest, right? Like if we, we yeah. think in like, like mazes, 
right? And we think with our with our heart a lot of times. And so sometimes it's really hard to sell to someone when you're trying to go logically and then but you're not really speaking to their heart and why they're doing what they're doing. Um so I just dove into to that a little bit with the funnel gorgeous course and people just really resonated with it, especially women, of course, you know, but a lot of people just really resonated and got said, I, don't, I haven't seen anything like this on the market right now. Oh, that's amazing. And so when did you launch the course? How long ago was that? That was August of 2018, I believe. <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. like so, so the course, it was just a course. We didn't have anything else, but everyone started asking about templates and they're like, you know, um, it was cool. We had, we had some of the templates inside of the course, but we didn't have like, we didn't have like a full suite or anything, anything like that. So then we started launching every single month. We had, la- we had a separate uh, template that would come out every single month, which was a lot of work, but then the people needed a little bit more help with like building like, okay, I need to, I don't understand really how to, how to create the offer. What goes in the offer? How much do we charge? And there's all these little questions and stuff. So that's when we started doing a little bit of the courses. And now, you know, we've made over, over a million dollars um, in, in revenue and just thousands of people have gone through our courses and bought our templates. They just love everything. And we're just, and we've stuck true to our core about being just really authentic, open, caring about people, just being an amazing human. Right. And not like heavy, not heavy duty, like pushing people into sales, but just opening people up to opportunities and saying, Hey, I got this really cool thing. If you're struggling with that, you want to come with us. Like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a very like cool and open and friendly way of selling. And it just, it makes me so happy. I love that. And we're going to share the link so that people can check check out um, Funnel Gorgeous and everything you have to offer. And I just want to reiterate how amazing your company actually is. We do some done-for-you done for you services now in our company. And we utilize one of your templates for one of our clients. And literally, the amount of messages and texts and emails I got from her saying how beautiful everything was and how thrilled she was to see it up in the world, it, it was endless. And what what you've created makes it so easy for people to have both, like you said, the brand, mm-hmm. the design, the beauty, as well as things that convert and actually sell. And so I want everyone to take a look at your work because it makes life so much easier. And I can see why you've done over seven figures in sales. And I know that that's literally just the start for you because what you've created is so needed. And yeah, I just really wanted to say that first and foremost, because I've always been blown away by your work. But even recently, I was on the website and saw how many different templates you have. And (laughs) I can see that was a lot of work. It was definitely, it was definitely a lot of work, but it feel like when you hit, it's like when you hit the right thing and you know, you're right where you're supposed to be. It's like, yes, it's work, but it's so fulfilling. Like there's just not, it's like you have a, a rocket like strapped to the back of you when you hit the right thing and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's, it's like everything you just do a little bit of effort and it just goes whoosh, like, it just like so fast when you finally hit like what you're supposed to be doing. So, um, it's, it was, it's worth a kissing all the frogs, I guess, in a way, because <laughs> when, when you finally like land on, on a really good idea and you're really serving people like to the best of your ability, it's just like, it, it's just the most, most amazing, like magical things happen. Yeah, I can see that you are in your zone of genius completely. And I (laughs) I I know how that feels. So talk to people a little bit about the messaging sweet spot, so to speak. So I know that, you know, we want to be feminine, we want to speak from the heart, but we also want things to convert. So how can people kind of wrap their heads around messaging and what actually works when it comes to funnels and putting their work out in the world? 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely there's definitely like visual techniques that I use um, in the way that we design funnels, but also the way we teach funnels. And really, a lot of people are like, "Well, what's funnel versus website?" I say website is kind of like your storefront. You know, like if you were to walk into um, you know anthropology or whatever, and you're going to walk around, you're like checking everything out, and then uh, but that like a, a sales funnel would be like if a salesperson were to walk up to you in that store and be like, what can I help you with specifically? And start asking you questions and take you to like one thing and like to like through the, through the whole checkout process. So it's a little bit different where websites, yes, you, you there's definitely things you can do to convert. They're just slightly different because you're not walking them through a single sale like you would be through with a sales funnel. So that's really the only difference. Um, but there are certain things that you do to, and I, honestly, I try to make, the the content very conversational so it's how you would say it or how you would sell it in real life and so i split up um i use a lot of visual tricks to split up like a big long paragraph so that they're not overwhelmed you know i make some things bigger some things smaller i give some things like some space some white space when you would want someone to pause and actually think about what you're saying, you know? Um, so there's, there's certain things that I do to try to break up information. And really my goal is that information needs to land as s- smoothly and easily as possible so that the person can understand what they're purchasing. So that's like all, everything I do for everything I do for like a designing a sales funnel or anything it's all about understanding the offer, the clarity, and understanding if it's a good fit for them. So that's all that I'm doing. So I do a lot of visual tricks. Like, for example, I'll, I'll use like an icon or something to, you know, like 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 maybe a picture of a clock or something if it saves someone time. Because when they're reading that information, they can see, oh, I can, oh, I see a clock. I get time. Like they get the they understand the concept much faster when they have that visual um, guidance. Or if you're talking about a downloadable worksheet, and then you have actually have a photo of the downloadable worksheet like they understand that before they even read the the words um so there's just little tricks and it's actually like a lot of psychological principles and on how people receive information um so those are like the visual things but as far as the actual written content and and your actual offer you really got to know your person and that's like the most thing if you really know what makes them do what they do and make decisions how they make them then you can just be there for them and answer what whatever questions you're but you're basically trying to think of what are they what are they asking themselves as they go down this page are they wondering maybe if they're not good enough or that maybe they don't have what it takes or or maybe they don't have the skills and then you start talking about like, is this the way you're feeling? Do you feel like you're not good enough? Like you're like, who are, who am I to step into this role? Like you just, you just start to think of what they're going through in the moment. And when you sell like that, it's so natural versus trying to push something on someone and like make them buy. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I agree completely. So I think so often we make it harder than it needs to be. And it's really a matter of mm-hmm. speaking to our ideal customer, listening to what's coming up for them. Um, I know that for us, anytime someone gets into one of our programs, we do either send them a survey or we do an actual assessment call. And we ask them, yeah. what was it? What was the thing that was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, that got you into the program that made this a yes for you? What would have made this easier for you? And like mm-hmm. you said that element of showing not just telling what it is that they're going to be getting and making those results really obvious 
Yeah, a lot of times they want what you have, but they just have their own things they have to get over. And so you just, you're really just guiding them to get out of their own way sometimes, right? Like they, we know that they want that. And that, that's something you would do in a phone call. So if you have a phone call, uh, you know, and, and you're actually doing like consult calls, this is exactly what you would do, but you don't have that opportunity. Obviously, you're not on the phone with them. So you kind of have to guess what they would say or what most people are saying, or like you said, um, actually asking people on the phone what's coming up for you, um, what would have to be in place for you to say yes, right? Like, how can we clear this out for you? And those are the things that you're going to end up, you know, using for, for your, for your sales page when you're not able to kind of be on the phone with them or sitting in front of them. And I'm curious to know, what is your role within the company now? Because I'd imagine based on your answer and what we said a few minutes ago, you were the lead designer behind all the templates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny. We're like, we're kind of going, we're, we're a little bit of growing pains right now where it's like, we're at really maximum, not maximum, but we're at a, we're at a high level of profitability, but we're also like at that point where if we don't start bringing in more people, then we, we like, we won't go any further. Like it's like, we're right at that point. And it's probably like, pretty normal for any business to kind of go through. So it's like, we need to start hiring other people, but then it lowers your profitability. And then it's like this whole thing. Right. Um, so we're, so because we do a lot of the stuff ourselves still, which is sad, um, we, we have really high, high, high profitability, but we don't, aren't able to get to all of the revenue generating stuff that we want to. So we're at that point where, yes, we have, we do have a team. I mean, we have about eight ish people now, um, that help us out. I have a, a, a designer that I actually kind of like, not really created, but she started off um, just kind of doing little things for me. And then I just really poured into her and taught her everything I know. And now she like finishes my design sentences, right? Um, So she does a lot of the build out. I do the the basic creative direction. Um, I can do anything. I can do, I can build it, but I don't, I don't, right? Like there's other people who can build it in ClickFunnels for me or whatever, you know, whatever software we're using. Um, We we also have some stuff for Kajabi and Elementor. So we have other people that build it for that. We have our design templates in uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, Canva. So like we have uh, all those people build all that stuff. I don't build any of that. So I, I do like the basic, um, the, the, the heavy strategy stuff, you know, we obviously just running the business, knowing like what are, we have several launches that come out. So it's like, what's coming out now? What do we need to be talking about? Really like the, the high level stuff. Um, and we have other people that do kind of like build all the build out stuff. Yeah, the reason I wanted to ask is because I'd imagine teaching creativity or teaching design. uh, I'm not a designer, but I would imagine that that's an interesting sort of an experience to help somebody else get your vision and get your Mm -hmm. your aesthetic. Um, So I'd imagine that would be hard to outsource. Yeah, it is tough. I mean, well, and it's just teaching design as far as like in our courses, it's a big deal, right? Like it's it's really hard to teach someone how to think creatively creatively, like can I say that <laughs> creatively, um, or creativity, it's really hard to teach that. And so we, it's been, it's been a little bit of a struggle, but it's kind of one of those things where we're like, man, this is, this is hard, but if we can crack this, like, holy moly, the, this is going to be amazing. Like if we can teach a formula to being creative, like we're just going to knock it out of the park. So we try anyways, even though it's hard. Um, and so we, I, like, I think using a lot of examples, I come up with like a formulas of like, okay, like some, like something I just told you about, um, you know, like visually breaking things up. I try to like deconstruct what's happening in my head naturally and say what I'm doing out loud a lot. I do a lot of videos um, explaining, well, I would have done it this way because, and I kind of show a lot of examples 
examples. So like, so one of the things that I realized that I did that I never noticed I did, I was going over someone's sales page. Um, and I said, well, you really want them to at this button here, like they had i I'm ready to sign up. And like, so they had, they had several calls to action all down the page, but it just kept saying, I'm ready to sign up. I'm ready to sign up. I'm ready to sign up. And I told (laughs) them, you know, you want to have them say these little micro yeses to the section that came right before. So let's say you're talking about, um, do I have enough time to take this course? And then, and then, then you explain about how they're going to make the time. And then you're saying, yes, I'm going to make the time. Like that's going to be the button, right? So there's, so they're, they're kind of agreeing to what you just told them versus the same agreement. And so I didn't realize I was doing that until I explained, oh, you want these little micro yeses. And I thought that's a thing. I need to teach people about micro yeses, right? So there's just little things that you do that you can kind of formalize, but it isn't, it isn't as easy as like something like step one, you do this, step two, you do that. Like it is definitely more of a fluid thing, but I think anybody's process um, can be taught if you just really dive into why you're thinking what you're thinking and and trying to notice patterns. Oh, whenever I see this, I do it this way. Well, and I think that's essential for anyone who wants to actually grow their company is to have some sort of process right. or methodology or formula that you're able to teach other people, whether it's your students or your team members, so that it's not just you being that the, the know-it-all, the person who everyone's coming to with this information and you end up the major bottleneck. Yeah, you're right. You do have to, you have to, you, I mean, some is in, instinct, of course, but you can teach people like, this is what I do when this happens. Like, this is my instinct. And then just try to formalize it, but also document it as much as possible, whether it's a video, you know, doing like a quick video or writing it down or, or saying step one, I do this, step two, I do that. So from my perspective, team has been the hardest part of growing my company. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, what has been the most challenging thing about getting to seven figures and now even thinking about going beyond that, what is challenging for you? As far as like related to team or just in general? Anything in your company. Um, I think our biggest struggle is building fast enough. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Uh, we we do have a really big thriving community that's constantly asking us for stuff, which is amazing, right? So there's never a question of like what we should build because people are constant. Like, like I said, in the beginning, we're always listening, right? So because we're always listening, we've opened a very open like line of communication with our with our customers and our clients we know exactly what we need to be building all the time and so um it's it's hard because we don't have you know this humongous team where like oh you want it in you know Kartra or something we're gonna go build in Kartra today like it's it's like okay well let's put that in the queue and then like we'll kind of get there it's it's kind of it's it's hard knowing that you could grow faster if you have more people, but then there's just like that whole balance of profit and loss and, you know, and, and what's the best revenue generating activity at this point in time. Those are the, those are the kind of things that we really struggle with is, um, just like where to focus our energies at any given time and who we need to hire and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's our biggest Achilles yeah. heel, I think. <laughs> I know. Yeah, everyone feels that. And and obviously the alternative is not what you want either. You're glad to have so many ideas. And like you said, you have open lines of communication with your mm-hmm. audience. I'm curious to know how you have opened up those lines of communication. Is it through your Facebook groups or where are they sharing all the things that they want? That's a really good question. We've always brought everyone in 
behind the scenes. Like that's, it's our launch style. We call it the pressure launch where we build up pressure before we launch something new, but they're along the ride with us like the whole way. And so everyone feels like they're, they're part of the whole movement, right? It's not really just about, it's not really about us anyways. It's about our, our, our movement is to, you know, improve the, the world as a whole with great, you know, and beautiful marketing. So it's not, really uh, about us creating beautiful marketing. It's about us creating things that other people can use so their stuff can be beautiful. So they're, they really are, we're, we're working alongside with everybody. So we're not building anything in a vacuum. We want to know what do you need? So we're constantly asking people, we're constantly like, oh, hey, here's what we're working on. But here's this one thing we're struggling with. What do you guys think? Like, we're, it's just always just like feedback back and forth. The hard part with that is that you have to know how to filter out things that aren't helpful um, and, or like, you kind of have to read between the lines because sometimes what people ask for is not really what they need. <laughs> They're just yeah. like, So you have to know, so there's like a, there's a little, it's like kind of like parenting, I guess, you know, <laughs> when kids ask for candy, it's like, do they need that candy? Right? Like, you know, like, I don't know. It's, you're just kind of reading be- between the lines. You don't make everything that everyone asks for. Cause it might not even be that good of an idea. Um, but just listening and then choosing, okay, that's a good idea. That's like, let's put a pin in that for later. Let this don't know for sure. We need to work on that. So again, listening very a lot, but also giving them that opportunity to talk. And how much of your business is based on what you desire and what excites you in terms of creation? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, whew, gosh, that's hard because I don't even really know how to separate what I desire with what other people desire, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, like I said, I guess I don't care about any, I don't care about creating something that doesn't sell. Um, mm-hmm. People don't need, so I'm looking for needs. And like I said, I've always done that. I've always it just really comes really naturally to me to see what people need and to build that thing. I've never built anything for myself, really. You know, like I'm not like that kind of an artist. I don't build something to hang on a wall. I build something to be used. So, gosh, that's hard. Um, yeah, well, I love that because I think most people, and and I've definitely fallen into this trap. Uh, come up with ideas or make decisions emotionally. And sometimes it's not actually in service to the vision. And so it sounds like you're very focused on what the vision and the movement is. And so you're able to kind of differentiate and say, okay, well, is this going to move the the movement forward? Is this going to be in service to the clients? Is this in alignment with what they're asking? And then those are the decisions you make. Yeah. I, and I, I think part of your bigger question, probably what you're asking too, is like, how do we not get swayed by like market trends? Like, how do we not do like the coolest new thing or whatever? And that's easy because we know what our strengths are and what they're not. So if someone comes out and everyone's teaching how to do, I don't know, I don't even know, like some new thing or TikTok. Here we go. <laughs> some people are coming out and saying, oh, you got to be on TikTok. And like Julia and I are looking at each other like we're not going to be on TikTok. Like we're just not, that's not going to be our thing. And that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be our thing. So we're just going to lean into things that we lean into. If we're, if, if that's not our, and, and who knows, maybe TikTok will be our thing later on. The <laughs> who knows? I'm just, at this point, we're not focusing on it. So, um, it's okay for us to say, nah, that's for someone else. Like someone else can teach, they, they can just teach TikTok. They can just go off and have fun with that. Good job, guys. You know, and we can let go th- of things that aren't authentic to us. Beautiful. And can you take us back? So what is a pressure launch? Because I'm curious now. And, and how are you bringing people behind the scenes? What does that mean? 
Yeah. So you're, you're bringing them behind the scenes in like what you're building and letting them know that something's coming, but also that you want them to come, like you want them to be a part of the building process. So you're not creating it for no one. You're creating it for them. So it's like, um, it's, it's a type of, well, we have like, we have a program called Launch Gorgeous and we teach three different types of launches. One is the SLO style, which is stands for um, self liquidated offer. It's the ones that you see on Facebook ads a lot of times that are like the $27 offer. 37, 47. They're kind of like this tripwire offer. Um, they're small, little kind of action packed. They sell, re- they sell really quickly um, and they lead to bigger programs. That's like one way to launch. The other way is a pressure launch where you're building a bigger program. It's usually like several hundred dollars up to like, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, 597, like 997 is kind of pushing it, pushing it up there, but it's usually something slightly bigger that you're building that you're working on, um, that, that they know you're building. Um, but you're, yeah, you're just kind of bringing them through the process and you do a lot of content. So you're talking about the content. So for example, like one of our pressure launches was webinar gorgeous. We were talking about webinars and teaching about webinars, like for, like for weeks, right? Sending Mm -hmm. out emails, talking about, oh, we're creating this tool. Oh my gosh, there's this new thing we learned. We're, and we, we're actually teaching a little bit of the content. So we're kind of getting people excited. We have like a, an actual lead magnet or something for them to download to get on the list. You know, they're start, it's like more of a traditional launch, but you're building pressure, getting them ready, getting them ready. We have this thing where we'll, we'll open up an early bird. And every single time we've done it, it's just crushed. Like, you know, like we've done 100K in like a week, right? We, we, if you build up enough pressure... And you open it up and it's like, boom, like people are just they've been waiting, right? They're just ready to go. So that's why, that's why we call it the pressure launch. And then the third one is the premium launch, which is like, if you have a higher, higher ticket program, um, you're kind of getting people ready. They're watching maybe some kind of a webinar or, or, and then it leads to a consult. So it's a different type of, type of launch. Gotcha. Okay. So I've done all three. I just didn't know yeah, the term. Yeah, sure. You know, all of the, all of those. I love it. <laughs> no, that makes total sense. Amazing. Yeah. So now you have the templates, you have funnel gorgeous, you have webinar gorgeous, any other courses? Yes. So we just, um, we have a, a, a free summit right now. It's called the ads that click summit. Um, and it's like a free interview series it's on ads on creative. Um, and, and then we have ad gorgeous, which is a course that you can buy. It's basically like an add on. We have the free summit and that leads to ad gorgeous, the course. Um, and it's all about the creative side of ads. So there's a lot of people that teach how to get into the Facebook, um, the ad manager and like how to talk targeting, but not a lot of people talk about the creative side which is really sad because it's a huge part of it. Like if you, if you don't get their attention with the creative, it doesn't matter how many ninja still skills you have in the back end because they never got there. Right. They never, right. you can't, you can't like polish up something that never really got their attention in the first place. And so, and it's, 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 it's also a struggle because a lot of people will hire an ads manager. Um, but ads managers don't really usually do creative. They kind of ask you, they're like, okay, send me your creative. And you're like, but dude, I'm not like a, I'm not an ad agency. I don't know what to do. And so that's what ad gorgeous is really the creative side and also and just how to come up with a ton of ideas that are like really, really like kind of viral and, and cool ideas. So it's really about the creative process. So, um, that's our, that's our newest one. Um, is that, is that, and then I said, think I said, use a webinar, gorgeous, funnel, gorgeous, launch, gorgeous, um, uh, launch, gorgeous is a group coaching program. It's not open all the time. It's like, it's high, high, it's a higher ticket. We walk you through the launch, um, add gorgeous. And then funnel gorgeous society is the new thing that's coming out, but hasn't, hasn't quite come out yet, but it's a, it's going to be a certification program where we certify service providers who want to, who want to be master marketers, kind of like triple threats. Um, and it's going to be pretty amazing. We're excited about that. 
Wow. That's so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about ads because it's in my experience, every time I've hired an agency, they offer to do the done for you of the creative and the design. But I always bring in somebody professional to do the design because I never end up liking it. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) why there's such a disconnect there, but I I hear you. It's kind of like the two worlds too, right? It's very similar. Yeah. Like there's there's the whole sales and marketing world, which would be the ad strategist. Like they know, you know, how to place it, how much money to put behind it, when to retarget, right? They know all of the the like the the machine kind of like tweaking, you know, and and fine tuning, but they're not really like the ad guys, like like Mad Men style. They don't come up with like the tagline really and the and the pitch and like the micro angle. And so we teach how to do that side and because a lot of people don't. So, um, and to me, it's the funnest part. I think like I would much rather do that fun, creative stuff. I think, and people who've gone through it have loved like that whole idea of, um, becoming this creative person. I think people are more creative than they, than they give themselves credit for. So it's kind of the fun part. Oh, and we also have offer cure. Hello. I don't can't believe I didn't talk about that. Um, offer cure, is our is like the one that we have that's our lowest ticket thing but we um get the most we have the most students in it it's like our entry program but it's all about creating a killer offer and they all they all um kind of piggyback on each other so it's like you created this amazing offer and now you have it in an awesome funnel and then now you need to sell it through the ads so it's just like next step next step next step but they all have this thread of um you know coming up with really great ideas that really land with and connect with people and sell really well yeah, like your ecosystem. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in terms so, I was just gonna say so so that's those are the things that like that you, that everyone should be building are these ecosystems, right? It takes time to figure out, but it's like, okay, we'll start here. And you don't have to start. We didn't start with our low ticket, right? We didn't start with offer cure, even though it's like a $37 product. We started with funnel gorgeous and then we kind of built backwards. So it's okay. It's okay to, you know, build this thing uh, way up here. That's your high ticket thing. And then kind of back down. And then there's another lower thing. And then like, yeah, as long as you're building out your ecosystem and you're helping people every step of the way, it doesn't matter where you start. Oh, I agree. And I always tell people actually start with something that is higher priced because if you don't have yeah. an audience, your company's right. not really going to exist in the matter of a few weeks or months. Yeah, if you're in order not to make money, you got to start with the high. <laughs> right. <laughs> what we say. And then that will fund the low, which the low still makes a lot of money. You know, like I, like we've done well over six figures with, with a $37 project product, but it takes a lot more work at front. You don't make it, you don't make the money as fast. So that's why high tickets always good to start with you have the highest like profit you know margin it's easy it's actually easier to sell higher ticket than it is low but eventually you'll want to kind of fill out your whole ecosystem to get back there thank you for sharing that yeah so i feel like it's been so interesting to have this conversation because i can see certain elements of your personality and the way that you show up in the world that have gotten you to where you where you are today and one of the things we we've identified is the fact that you're able to see the gaps in the market you're mm-hmm. also willing to try things you're willing to um, listen to your audience i also think that you have an incredible energy and also a really incredible high vibe mindset can you talk to our audience about how maybe you have had to shift certain mindset beliefs that maybe didn't serve you at first. I know you've already mentioned a couple, anything that you kind of had to work through to, to really step into this role to become even more positive, or are you just naturally like that? 
I'm definitely not naturally like that <laughs> at all. I used to be very, very self-conscious. Um, and yeah, it, it was very hard for me. And like I said, I, I, I always told myself stories about I was good at this. So that I, it's like, I, it's like, I thought that I couldn't be good at everything. So it's like, I, well, if I'm really good at this, then that must mean I'm really bad at this. Like there had to be a balance. And I think when I realized that as humans, we're way more complicated than that. Um, and we can be really good at like a lot of things and that's totally fine. And we can be just okay at some things and that's totally fine. Like just letting go of like these ideas of what we're good at and what we're not good at and what we should try and what we should not try. I think, um, it was hard at first to take risk for me. Very hard. It was really hard to push past fear because I I'm fearful all like a lot of things. I have like anxiety and like whatever, and um, so I I feel I, I feel scared all the time. People don't know that I do because I'm so used to pushing past it. Because every time I have, every time I've stepped out in faith and and like was scared scared like so much to do stuff, it's always been amazing. And so I've had this like track record of like okay, if it's really scary and I feel like you know my stomach is hurting and I should just go home, then that means I need to do it. <laughs> you know, so it's <laughs> like, and then I do, and then it's amazing. And then I'm like, okay, there, there's, there's, you know, uh, total uh, clarity that I should have done that thing, you know? So I, I think the more you push through that fear, the easier it seems maybe like it's still hard, but the easier it gets. And so I'm not afraid of failure anymore. I totally used to be, but because I just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing through it, it got, it made me realize like, it's not, there's no threat. It's like the more you do something, the more your brain normalizes it. And you think it's totally normal for me to be scared before a launch that and like we still have these big launches and we're like, I don't, is someone going to buy this? I don't know. We'll still, you know <laughs> then of course it sells and we're like, oh, well, why were we even thinking that? Um, so I think just everyone feels that way. Even if you have been doing this forever, even if you haven't been doing this forever, like it's just, it's just pushing through it, pushing, pu pushing through it. But again, I think focusing on more than, um, it's not really about money, right? Like the money's awesome. And I, it's like, I don't even know how, how or why we're paid as well as we are, but it's never really been about that. Like it's always been about showing up, serving, helping. And if we focus on that, that's enough to get us through and make us happy. And, you know, like, I don't know. It just comes after that. Like the money just comes when you're, when you, I know it doesn't, I, I know it doesn't because it, we're working hard, but that's just not our focus. I think if we were trying to make money and like trying to charge and trying to do this, it would come off that way, but it does, it doesn't. We, we show up with these like servant natures instead and we're just open and listening and helping. And it just comes after, like, I don't know. It's, I never really thought about it, but, um, I, I think that you just, when you know, you know, and then, but you have to get past any fear that you like, like second guessing yourself, I guess. Cause I, yeah. I, still, I still second guess myself, but I push past it anyway. Of course. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, we're human, we're not robots. And so those fears are going <laughs> to come up and that doesn't mean that we stop. It doesn't mean that we're not headed in the right direction. It's just an indication that we're doing something new or something big, or we might not know everything or, you know, just again, that we're human. And so I think that's really important to highlight. And I also love what you said around not thinking that you could be good at everything. And I think that's so interesting because especially, you know, for us who are female entrepreneurs, often Oftentimes it feels like 
oh, you know, I can't, I can't brag. I can't be too good at this. And what does it mean if I'm good at everything? And what does it mean if I'm putting myself out there as this expert and this expert? And Mm -hmm. how are people going to perceive me? And so we dim our lights. And I think it's so important that we live fully and show up as our true selves. And, you know, I, as I've heard Marie Forleo say this, I've heard tons of people say it. So many of us are all are multi-passionate, but also multi-skilled. And that's incredible. And there's no reason not to show up in that in that full way. Yeah, it's like it's like I, I, I'm constantly reevaluating like these stories that I tell myself and say, is that really true? You know, is it is it really true that I'm bad at this, or is it really true that I shouldn't be talking this way, or is it really true? And I just I'm constantly reevaluating that, and then sometimes I'm like, you know what, like who. I make the rules, right? <laughs> like I can do whatever I want to yeah. do. Like kind of in a way, like if I'm helping people, I'm and I don't have to be I don't have to be the, the I think another thing that I had to get over was I don't have to be the best at something to do it. I think I I, I wasted way yeah. too much time early in my career worrying that I wasn't the best designer and I wasn't the best, you know, invitation person. I wasn't charging the most and I wasn't like I I don't know why. I don't know if it's a creative thing or if it's just a woman thing or what, but I I was like who am I if I'm not the best? And that is just no oh. Yeah. Toxic. <laughs> toxic thinking for sure. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So final two questions for you, Kathy. What are you most excited about this year? Oh my gosh. I'm excited to travel again. Where are you going to go? Uh, well, we have we have uh, annual passes at both Disneyland and Disney World, and I gotta say, those are the those are the things I miss the most um, going there because there's something about and I, you know I, I always wondered why I was so attracted to Disney like as a brand, but it totally makes sense because they are so good at like making you feel good, the emotion, like the beauty, the smells, like all these details. But they're also really good salespeople, <laughs> like really good marketers. So I think I love that like world. Um, so I miss that. I definitely miss that, but I miss, I miss traveling. I miss going to events and, um, I've had to cancel a couple different events since. And so I'm just like missing people. Like I'm not even that much of an extrovert, but, um, I'm really looking forward to that. But, but yeah, just the world being open again, but also just getting back to getting back to what we're doing, growing our business, helping more, serving better, improving our product. Like those are the things that make me really excited. Mm, yeah. Thank you for sharing. And our final question that we ask all of our guests is what is one way you can share with the audience that would really help them create a life that's better than their dreams? Ooh, I just really just being yourself and just really leaning into like what, what you're here for and, and just, and not second guessing yourself. I think, I think a lot of people will have an idea and they'll some, they'll let, they'll let something creep in. I've seen so many good ideas go like not launched or not created by people that I love. And I, it just kills me inside. Cause I'm like, I know I can see what they're capable of. Why can't you see what you're capable of? It's so frustrating, you know? Um, and so I think if I could say anything, like do the thing, like launch the thing, like create the, like, even if you fail, just do it anyways to say that I tried it. It didn't work because the worst thing you can do is to to leave that unexplored and and to not go there because think of all the amazing people that you'll help once you do get past that and and when you're on the other side of it love it and have rainbow hair Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Rainbow <laughs> hair helps. It's really, fun. it's a lot, it's a lot of, uh, upkeep. Um, but it's worth it. And it's, I guess it's, I, it's funny. I always say I, I used to be blonde before, before this. And, um, 
I have never felt more like my natural color than when it's purple, which is really weird. Wow. <laughs> but it's like it's like in my body, in my brain, my hair was always purple. And then when I finally like actually made it purple, then I was like, okay, my hair is like finally at its natural color. <laughs> I've heard that from other people too, who end up like dyeing their hair red or just something else. Even our yeah. director of operations has purple hair right now and she loves it. So yeah. I don't know that that's for me, but I admire it. It looks stunning. And so (laughs) everyone needs to go check out your picture. And speaking of which, where can people find you, Kathy? Um, funnel gorgeous everywhere, just funnel gorgeous.com. And then we're, we're, we're not that great at social media right now, but we're, we have a whole <laughs> massive plan to come out and be amazing on social media. Like, this is the thing we, we built ourselves with such a strong community that we don't really haven't even needed like outside, outside, uh, social media, but now to really grow our brand head, the biggest one, we are like focusing on that, but yeah, fun, just funnel gorgeous everywhere. Love it. Well, I can't wait to see what's next for you when you start hiring like crazy and scaling and doing even more amazing work in the world. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story and your message with our audience. I hope you loved today's episode. Kathy's story is so inspirational. And if you are interested in learning more about her incredible courses, templates, and products, you can check out her website. We've included it in the show notes and would love for you to head on over there and do some shopping. And I'll look forward to talking to you very soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the I Heart My Life show. For more inspiration, success tips, and ways to achieve your life and business goals, definitely follow me on Facebook and Instagram on I Heart My Life Now. See you next time.